<clears throat> All right, we continue in the Sermon on the Mount. We're in Matthew 6, verses 22 through 24, which are also going to be about our personal finances because uh, they end by the Lord talking about how we can't serve God and mammon, which as we'll see is a word that refers to wealth and riches and uh, the possessions of this world. So the Lord's been hammering us about our, our, our money uh, and he, he continues to give us some really good principles uh, to think about in terms of how we spend and how we save. And so it says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body is going to be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, perhaps Jesus had Proverbs 28:22 in mind, or at least uh, we can uh, have that in mind because it says something similar. Uh, Proverbs 28:22: A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. It's a good description of a get-rich-quick scheme. Uh, and there's always stories, hopefully none among this group, of people who put all of their money into one get-rich-quick scheme and, of course, lost everything. Investing on earth is what we've been talking about as opposed to investing in heaven. Uh, and we saw last time we were together that investing only on the earth, even if your investments are diversified, are like putting everything you have in that one place. And the place that you're investing is where moths and rust and thieves will eventually spoil your fortune and future. Uh, and uh, so the Lord encouraged us to diversify by investing in heaven and in fact to seek first the kingdom of God. That would be our first place of investment and then uh, to worry about our, our future on the earth. In the preceding verses, Jesus used your heart as his illustration when he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we talked about uh, the fact that if our treasure is in heaven, my attention will be in heaven. I want to be more heavenly hearted uh, if I send my treasures ahead of me. Now he's going to use first your eye to illustrate. Jesus says, if therefore your eye is good. And it, uh, the definition here of the word good becomes very important. Uh, it's a word that can mean generous or bountiful, and that's probably what is intended in this passage because it is a passage about investing and about monies and the use of material things. So, if therefore your eye is generous, if it is bountiful, if it is benevolent. So, Jesus may have been saying, if therefore you're looking to be generous. Uh, again, it fits the context because after all, we're talking about investing in heaven we're talking about giving towards the Lord's work, being generous in that way. If I'm looking around to be generous and bountiful and benevolent, I will give to the Lord's work and I'll therefore be investing in heaven. And I'll do that first before I invest in the corruptible things on the earth. So for the sake of his illustration, the Lord suggested you were either generous or you're not. He didn't give any middle ground. You know, it's, you're either, you have a, a good eye or you have a bad eye. I mean, you know, you're, you're either, you're Dave, basically, is what you are. Now, I, I knew I'd work that in. <coughs> Dave, you want to take it from here? No, but uh, it, it, he, he doesn't give any middle ground. This is his illustration, and he says, for the sake of my illustration, you're either good or bad. 
Uh, now, with all of that as a background to guide us, let's see what these verses might lead us into. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. That's the first illustration. My eye lets in light, which my brain translates into sight. I'm able to navigate through the material world thanks to the light my eye receives. Investing in either heaven or on the earth is being compared to my eye taking in light. Generosity and benevolence excite certain spiritual receptors that illuminate my walk with Jesus. So he's saying if I'm, if I'm generous, there's a, there's a sense of my life being lightened uh, by, uh, in a spiritual sense. I see in a spiritual dimension. If I'm investing in heaven, then I'm like a man with perfect vision. I see my way around. I'm not bumping into things. I'm not a blind leader of the blind. We would say that I, you could walk properly and see where you are going. You'd avoid pitfalls and perils. I mean, that's, a, that's what we think of when we think of sight and light. You know, we're, we're able to see where we're going. Uh, and we don't bump into things. Nothing surprises us. Uh, we walk. My wife and I have walked every night for, I don't know, ever since I can remember uh, and usually take our dog or dogs with us depending on what, you know, current breed we have and stuff. And, and I tell you, walking at night is a precarious business. It, it, you just never know what's going to dart out at you from the shadow world uh, and uh, changes of terrain, especially in our neighborhood where some genius planted liquid amber trees all the way along. And, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like scaling Half Dome, just walking, you know, uh, just, just the sidewalks are all cracked and broken and... You know, we've identified all the houses that have wild dogs that are unleashed and stuff, but every now and then you're just surprised by something that, you know, uh, I remember years ago we were walking our big husky cubby and uh, he sort of went over to the curb and I didn't see it, but there was a cat crouched by the curb and he stuck his nose down there and that cat just scratched his eyeball, cut his cornea, and I mean, it was awful, you know. Uh... I thought he was kind of wimpy, actually, but uh, we had to take him to the vet and all that. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty scary at night. Guys come up behind you on bicycles, you know, and it's crazy. So, this is the idea, that if I, if I, have, a, if I have a tendency towards generosity, if I'm looking to seek first the kingdom of God, it lets light in and I, I, I have a proper walk with the Lord. So, what if I'm not generous and benevolent? Well, in verse 23, he says, If your eye is bad... Your whole body is full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? A bad eye, of course, would be one that no longer sees clearly, if at all. I'm sure there's degrees of, of this in terms of cloudiness and you know, all the way to blindness. In Jesus' illustration, if I'm not generous and benevolent, then I have nothing to excite certain spiritual receptors that take in light. My walk, therefore, would be taking place in a kind of darkness. I don't see my way clear. I stumble at the perils and I fall into the pitfalls. And then Jesus suggested that the light that is in you is darkness. Now, that's a very interesting phrase. Uh, what might he have meant? Well, in the context, it seems that a Christian who is not generous and benevolent nevertheless thinks of himself as still walking in the light. I'm a Christian you know, I'm walking with Jesus just because this whole area of my life, I've got nothing going on. I don't give to God. I'm not generous. I'm not benevolent. 
Uh, but I think I'm walking in the light. And Jesus says, no, you're deceiving yourself. The light that you think is in you is really a kind of darkness. Not darkness from the point of view of saved, unsaved, you know, righteous wickedness, but the idea that you're, you're missing a whole portion of your walk with the Lord if you're not giving to Him. I was told the other day that you get your night vision after about 45 minutes of being in the dark. Uh, I, maybe that's true. Some of you military guys, you know, that I heard it from a military guy who seems to know. So after about 45 minutes, your eyes kind of adjust and you have night vision. On a physical level, you can see pretty well with night vision, depending on ambient light and moonlight and things like that. One thing you need to do, however, is to guard your night vision because I've, I'm told that if you suddenly look into a light source like a flashlight, then you lose your night vision. You know, and I've experienced this a little bit. You know, not so much getting the night vision, but I carry my enormous, you know, 800-pound police flashlight with me to beat off wild dogs on our walk, and occasionally. I'll look at something and get a reflection back and, and then we're all blind. Me, the dog, my wife, you know, we're all blind for about five minutes, you know, and stuff. So you have to protect night vision. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if Jesus had all this in mind, but it was interesting to me remembering this. If I walk as a Christian long enough without giving to God, remember this whole section we're talking about when you give and giving to God, I will get a kind of spiritual night vision. In other words, I adjust to that way of living. I'm walking, I'm really walking in the dark when it comes to the area of giving to the Lord, but I adjust to that and I see things pretty clearly there. I think I'm doing fine when really I'm in the dark. And when I do encounter spiritual truths, rather than leading me or exciting me, they temporarily blind me and I'm halted in my progress. I think the point I'm trying to make that I think Jesus was trying to make is that if I'm not giving, I'm fooling myself into thinking that I'm growing and making progress in, in certain areas in my walk with the Lord, maybe in my entire walk with the Lord. And I suggested a week ago or maybe a couple of weeks ago that sometimes you know, people hit a wall in their Christian life and we tell them, well, you need to pray more or you need to read more. We almost never tell people you need to give more or you need to fast more. But, but this is the subject that Jesus is on to here. We make all manner of excuses for not giving to God. I know I've done it. Uh, and we think it's not really so bad after all. I mean, you know, the church goes on, the Christian work goes on. God doesn't, and it's true, God doesn't need my money. He doesn't need for me to give. But the Lord says that it is bad. And we're walking in a kind of darkness that we've adjusted to and we don't even know it. Uh, and again, uh, let me... Um, embellish what I just started to say. Jesus has been emphasizing three spiritual disciplines in this section. <clears throat> Praying, fasting, and giving. We immediately understand and link up with the idea that a lack of praying will hinder or halt our spiritual progress and growth. I mean, we, we, we talk about prayer b b being like breathing or just conversing with God and, and you know, we... we all of us rebuke ourselves that we don't pray more, that we don't spend more time in prayer. But when it comes to fasting and giving, we do have a kind of blindness. We don't think our lack in these areas affects our walk in any negative way. Uh, and and uh, I feel as guilty as this of anybody else, whether I give or not. Uh, very rarely have I told people, uh, you know, in counseling who are struggling, you know, hey, I just don't 
feel God's presence. I mean, I, I probably need to start telling people, well, hey, I don't look at the records, but do you give? Are you giving to God? Because if you're not, the Lord says this will halt your progress. Have you been fasting? You know, maybe that's something that we need to come up to speed on. Uh, and Because and, Jesus said this is like a tripod that you stand on, you know, and, and that's a... I always use. I remember I failed a test one, not failed the test, but I was taking a, a pre-test in elementary school for something, you know, and uh, I, I disagreed with this, but it's true that one of the questions was which is more stable, a four-legged stool or a three-legged stool, and the tripod is the more stable, uh, you know. Uh, Whatever, stool, yeah, I was trying to think of another word. It's, it's the more stable, and, and, and it is, and that's why we use tripod so much. And Jesus says this is, this is kind of like a tripod. You pray, you give, you fast, and it provides a firm foundation for you to stand on and to base your walk upon. And so all of us need to come up to speed on this and think, hey, th- these are areas in my life that I need to consider if I really want to grow in the Lord. And he says, how great is that darkness... Uh, when you don't even know you're in the dark, how great is the dark? <laughs> you know, if, if I come into a room and it's dark and, and everybody, oh no, I, I, I can see perfectly in here. Well, that's because you've been in it so long, you have night vision, but any normal person is bumping into the wall. And in this case, night vision isn't a good thing to have because it's an adjustment to something that's bad. <clears throat> Jesus then passes quickly into another illustration. In verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. A servant could not have divided loyalties. You could only take orders really from one master is what he's saying. As an investor, uh, you're not really your own master. You're servant of your investment portfolio. That would be his illustration here. <clears throat> now let me give you an example. And it's a limited example because it only affects those who once felt a call into full-time ministry, but, but it's a good one, and I'll make a, a broader application of it in a minute. I've known more than one person who felt a call to full-time Christian service. By the way, you don't have to feel that call. It doesn't make you any more or less spiritual. I mean, but you know, occasionally, because I'm a pastor, some people will say, hey, I, I too feel a call to full-time Christian service. Uh, when the call came they had a choice to make. Are they going to continue on the same material path they're following or are they going to begin to scale back their life a little bit in order to be ready to heed the call when a ministry opportunity presented itself? Because oftentimes, not always, but 99.9% of the time, uh, those people who are called into ministry end up you know, they, they're just not making as much as, as Jimmy Swaggart. You know, I mean, you know, most of the guys out there are are not making what they deserve, and and they could make more doing what they're already doing. Nobody goes into the ministry to make money, and so you know, you have to kind of scale back. Uh, and I remember my wife taught me this. You know, I said, "Honey, I think you know, I've, I have a call into the ministry," and she says, "Well, then we're going to have to sell the house and start getting ready for that." And I was like, "Really? We are." And, and we did, and we needed to, believe me. Uh, and so, you have that choice to make. Now, those who continue along their same material path, they bought bigger homes, more cars, ended up passing by many opportunities because when they had an opportunity, they just couldn't afford to take the cuts that were necessary. They, they had too many encumbrances. It would have been too hard to shake off the life that they had uh, built up. 
those who did scale back and who were serious about serving God were able to transition into that full-time service because they, they were ready. Not every Christian is called to full-time vocational ministry, of course, but other ministry opportunities come along to every Christian. Um, every week you have an opportunity to regularly give to your church or to special church projects. You hear about any number of other things that are happening in the kingdom of God. Uh, there's missions to support and missionaries to support. Unless all of us are, in a sense, scaling back, we're never going to help fund those things. We're going to be walking around with that night vision uh, serving the wrong master. And so this is, is very, I think these are insightful verses. Jesus really, for a guy who didn't have any money, he really had a handle on what money was all about. And he's basically saying, look, if you're always looking at the material world, getting bigger, better things, living in that realm totally, you're going to miss opportunities to invest in the kingdom of God. Your money is going to be going over here to this payment when it could be going to this missionary or whatever. And so all of us have a responsibility to live within our means at a level that allows us to give first to the kingdom of God, to seek first His kingdom. That's what the Lord is saying. And He's not saying it to rebuke us. He's not saying it because He needs the money. This isn't like the televangelist who you know, says that God's work is crippled because you're not giving to it. He says what you guys... you know what you need to rise up to is there's a whole area of your life if you want to do it in thirds this one third area of your walk is in darkness because you don't really know what's going on over there and you've adjusted to it so well you don't even recognize that you're doing it and that's a terrible thing to to adjust to the dark when you could have light jesus said you either serve god or mammon and it's really another illustration Mammon is just a word that personifies riches and wealth and worldly gain. As a Christian, you'd never think of yourself as worshiping an idol because you worship God, the living God. But Jesus said that if you invest only on earth, if you develop that night vision, you're serving another God and are in, indeed an idolater. And so the resolve for all this is very simple. It's to look around with an eye that is generous and benevolent. It's to give to the work of God Giving is an investment in your ultimate future that will enhance your ability to walk on earth with victory and power. And uh, if Jesus is correct, which he usually is, uh, there's a bunch of Christians uh, who are not, you know, you just, it's kind of like, I've never been a big guy to work out, you know, you know I, we exercise, you try and stay in shape, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I've, heard people talk about how you, you know when you're working out you can hit certain plateaus where you know if you don't change your routine or take steroids you're you're not going to get off of that plat you know you just which I don't recommend by the way <coughs> we're an anti-steroid church but uh, you know you get to a place where you just plateau and in other areas of life I mean you hit a plateau where you have to do something and I think what Jesus is saying very straightforwardly is a lot of Christians have plateaued because they pray they read the word they do these other things but they don't give and they don't fast. Uh, and those two things, uh, you know, it's kind of hard. Instead of uh, standing on a three-legged stool, you're on a pogo, you know. You're, you're kind of balancing on prayer and, and you're not stabling out the rest of your life. And so in our own lives first, I mean, you really shouldn't be telling other people to do things you're not doing. So in our own life, I need to look at that and say, well, do I fast? Do I give? Do I pray? 
uh, you know, and, and am I letting the light come in in those areas? And then from time to time, we're going to have to tell people who are sincere, who say, hey, I, you know, I just don't really sense the Lord's presence or things aren't going well in my life. Um, hey, let's talk about some things. Let's talk about your spiritual discipline. Are you praying? Well, not as much as I ought to. Are you giving? Not at all. Are you fasting? I don't even know what that means. Okay, well, maybe you should move into these areas and see how the Lord would bless that because He says and if you're not, you're walking in a kind of darkness there. Amen? All right. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Tide box at the back right there.